Blog Talk Radio. Paul Lawrence Van hosts the Wealthy Speaker Talk Radio Show, an exciting and entertaining show. Listeners, fans, and followers are inspired, motivated, and discover strategies that assist them in improving their personal and professional life. Tune in, listen in, and phone in with questions. Encourage your family, friends, and colleagues to tune in as well. Tune in, listen in, and call in with questions at 516-453-9480 and or join Paul and guest experts in the web chat room, www.blogtalkradio.com slash Van. We look forward to you joining us for another amazing episode of the Wealthy Speaker Radio Show. And good day, everyone. My name is Paul Lawrence Van, host of the Wealthy Speaker Talk Radio Show. Glad that you could be with us. And today we have a very special guest expert. Her name is LaVon Idlet, and she's an Olympian. And what she does is create wealth for her clients. And she goes by the nickname Lala, which I think is really beautiful. And I want to welcome her now. And then after that, I'll talk to you about her bio. Lala, how are you doing today? Hi, Paul. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Fantastic. And I'm going to read her bio. She's a very exceptional individual, uh, just talented all the way around. Uh, She is an Olympic athlete and also an experienced executive and brand development consultant as well as advisor. And she has a demonstrated history of building multi-million dollar alternative asset portfolios to include real estate holdings, while vetting and educating the clients for future success. And one of her goals is legacy creation, which is absolutely wonderful. And she also works in the area of tax mitigation and risk minimization, and she has a strong understanding of trust, business organization, and real estate finance. And Lala is a savvy, detail-oriented individual who has an MBA and a Jewish doctorate, uh, focused in business law and bankruptcy from – Florida A&M University, outstanding university, and she's worked with numerous NFL, NBA, and Olympic athletes, as well as ultra-high net worth individuals to reach their lifelong goals, and she participated in the 2012 Olympics in London, in the London Games, and she participated in the 100-meter hurdles. So as I said, this is just a part of her background, but there's so much more to learn, and we're going to get started with that right now. So LaVon, uh, again, thank you for being the guest expert today, and as you know, it's an honor to have you on this show. Let's talk a little bit about the seeds of greatness that inspired you to become an Olympian, and let's talk about the who and the what inspired you to become a 100-meter hurdler as well. So, um, <laughs> I guess the seeds of greatness, I would say, is my parents. My parents are like phenomenal and my grandparents so they are the kind of people who kind of just so into you so anything that I wanted to do they were always like okay well give me a plan tell me how you want to do it and I'll help you figure it out so I I feel like they helped me in terms of just growing my confidence over time and in terms of how I became a hundred meter hurdler I give 100% credit to a girl who whooped my behind every single day at track practice in the 100 meters named oh Erin Towns. 
And so uh-huh. when people ask me, like, you know, I always thought I was really fast. You know, I was street fast. I raced uh-huh. in the streets growing up. And then I got to high school, and the number one sprinter in the country was on my team. And so wow. I realized I couldn't beat her. So for me, I said, well, I went to my coach and said, what's an event did you think I can win? And he's like, let's go and try the hurdles. And that's all she wrote. Oh, my God. That is phenomenal. In other words, there was some inspiration for you. First of all, you have your parents and grandparents and family supporting you and everything, which I think is beautiful because that's the foundation, and a foundation that's based on love, and they want to see you succeed, and they prayed for, for you all along for you to be successful, and they were part of it, which I think is great. And then you have one of your teammates who just happens to be one of the best in the country, and she's flooring it on the 100-meter dash, and uh, that ultimately led to your coach coming to you and saying, hey, I have something special for you. (laughs) And and, and that 100-meter hurdles is no joke. It is no joke. So uh, with with that being said, uh, when you decided to go in with the 100-meter hurdles, uh, did you have anyone else on the team who was very as competitive as you were on that particular event? No. And so that was the the catalyst being that it was some boys on my team. They did sure. the one ten uh-huh. hurdles and right. they were pretty they were pretty well ranked and so they were teaching me things, but the event's kind of different. And you gotta you kinda gotta right. be a special kind of crazy to run full mm-hmm. speed at the barrier. Oh, so goodness. <laughs> what really t- ended up being my biggest teacher was um falling. So I fell my sophomore year, and I had the worst scar ever on my face. And I, I basically uh-huh. mentally at that point said, if you're going to be ugly, you might as well be fast. And I didn't lose exactly. races for quite a while. It it was my determining changing point that made me more focused. Oh, fantastic. And, and again, it's all based on experience. Uh, going out there and trying it. And see, what what I love about what you did is that you had the grit and determination to do it. A lot of people who would fall would just decide, you know, I don't really think this is for me. But this ultimately led to you going to the Olympics, which to me is just phenomenal in and of itself. And uh, so let's talk about that just a little bit, LaVon. Now, you're here, and I want to set the table here for the people who are listening. You're at the London Olympics a dream of a lifetime for all of us, including me. (laughs) And one of your dreams is being realized. Uh, Share with our listeners what that experience was like for you. It was definitely a dream of a lifetime, and it's like being in a utopia. So the Olympic Village had people from all walks of life, from every country in the world, the top of the top in each sport, and we're just, you know, walking around, saying hello to each other, having McDonald's <laughs> together in the cafeteria. And it was just a phenomenal time to be in London for sure, but also just to get to know people, um, other people yeah. who had been through the same trials as you. Um, and the 2012 Olympics being exceptionally special as a female athlete because it was the first year that every country allowed their females to participate because, you know, some countries have, you know, a little bit backwards ideas about women. Mm -hmm. They do. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. And and that that like I said is very competitive and uh I know that uh, you went in there and gave it to all. Now from a mental, physical and spiritual perspective, what did it feel like doing that opening ceremony because that's always a very special time too just before the competition begins, but it, you participate in something and one of the biggest global events that actually can take place on the face of the earth. What was that opening ceremony? What was that like? I sadly don't know. So the story behind (laughs) that is I was in North Carolina still training, and Uh the track and field is one of the beginning events. So I knew I wouldn't want to walk for five hours, and so I didn't arrive until the next morning. And so my whole family watched the entire opening ceremony, expecting to see me, and I was sitting Uh right in North Carolina waiting to go to the airport. So I missed it. I understand. I understand. And but but that's okay. A lot a lot of athletes do that as well. A lot of them sit it out. Uh, I was at the '96 uh, Atlanta Games, and I went to the opening ceremonies and everything else. But when you're an athlete, it's completely different because you want to rest, you want to get uh, your training. Everything is more so in in a package, and you you have practice all along, and you're getting ready for that special moment in time. So the rest is very important. So in terms of the competition then, uh, what was it like? How did you feel once you stepped out on the track for the very first time in the in the trials when you were uh, getting ready in the semifinals and, and, and other uh, competitions that were taking place when people were qualifying to make it to the finals? So the competition part, what is is the most nerve wracking because uh-huh. you spend all these hours training to get to the moment where you can warm up and go out and race for twelve seconds, and so it it was just important to always feel for me always feel like I've raced all these people hundreds of times, I've mm-hmm. run this race thousands of times, and to just not make it any more special in my mind to make it me more nervous. I can understand that. <laughs> and, you know, nervousness <laughs> is not all bad. Nervousness is not all bad. A lot of times it's, it's kind of gives you that inspiration, a little bit extra energy. And uh, as you stated, you've practiced it so long that it's almost automatic once the gun goes off. You know, you're going through the paces, going, of course, getting over that very first hurdle, and then uh, proceeding onward. And uh, as you stated, if you raced these people or competed against them before, but this is a, a special time. Now, when we look at, you didn't make it, of course, to the opening ceremony. What was the closing ceremonies that you participated in that? No. I, I, am, a, I am a horrible <laughs> person as it pertains to what's the um, uh, monumental memories so one i'm just i was having a phenomenal time going to the other Uh competitions and stuff like that and then by the time closing ceremony came i was really tired and preparing to go back to europe for um more races so okay i didn't go to the closing ceremony either and i actually have a funny story about how i learned about the olympics was the 96 olympics i met Uh baby wonder in the airport Okay. At um at 
in the airport in Atlanta because I was an unaccompanied minor. I was 10 years old, and uh-huh. they they had to escort me and Stevie Wonder. And that's when I found out about the Olympics, and he's like, yeah, he's going to sing. I'm like, wow, that sounds cool. Oh, very nice. And, and that, that was a very special Olympics, and that's the one I went to. I happened to have one of my fraternity brothers who had extra tickets, and I said, well, what are you going to do with those tickets besides sell them to me? And he sold them to me, and I went went to it, and I had just a great time. And I, so I think that's a really remarkable uh, story that you hear there because, again, you didn't know about it, and you're 10 at that time. And, of course, when, when we're 10, we don't really have that vision for what we want to do. And then once you picked up on that, uh, you started racing. And did you start uh, a running uh, in competitions, track and field? Was that in Virginia? Yes. I started running in high school in Virginia. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that, that uh, special moment you had with Stephen Wonder, who is one of my favorites. <laughs> and uh, that he inspired you uh, to, to take it further and further. So, LaVon, uh, let's go a little bit further here in terms of you know what the attributes of being an Olympian is. It's hard work, it's dedication, it's commitment, it's sacrifice, it's all the above and more. Now, how did this translate over to the business world for you? And, of course, you're working with uh, Reddish Bull Finance. Uh, let's talk about that in terms of how those – skill sets transferred over to the investment field and finance field? So I've always looked at myself as more like a nerd that happens to be faster than other people. (laughs) And so track and field is one of those um, sorts of sports where you put in work every single day for some future return. That's all business is. And some days you don't see the results that you want, and some days are harder than others. And so I took basically the way that I train into going to graduate school, going to law school, studying for the bar, and all those things. I literally do it with the exact same level of patient persistence. So I know every day I have a certain amount of things that I have to get done, and I just do them. I give myself no room or no latitude or excuse to not do them, and then, you know, you're able to reap great benefit on the other side from that discipline. Mm, very interesting. And and you definitely have dedication because, first of all, uh, you came in with a, a scholarship to Hampton University. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Go Pirates. And then, <laughs> yes, go Pirates. And then you decide you're going to go, you're going to race all over the world, and you get your master's degree. And I believe you went to Miami, University of Miami for that. Is that correct? You started there? I started there, and then I I ended up finishing at Nova Southeastern right. University, which is also here in mm-hmm. South Florida, by chance and circumstance that I met Wayne Heisinger and the school is named after yeah. him and he says, we have real entrepreneurs. You need to come and study uh-huh. with people who Fantastic. have business experience. So made me transfer and then thereafter I went to Florida A&M to law school, like you said, out uh-huh. by where I was training in Orlando. Oh, wonderful. I'm sitting here and I'm really shaking my head because running track and field and competing uh, with world-class athletes, that's one thing. 
but it's a whole other thing that you're working on the master's degree and then you're working on a law degree. Um, phew, that's, that's a lot. That is a lot. But, you know, uh, that's why you're doing what you're doing today, becoming a successful uh, businesswoman. And, of course, you're uh, with Reddish Bull Finance. You're a brand consultant, uh, development consultant and advisor and uh, with the goal of legacy creation. Provide more insight on this and additional information you provide to your clients. Yeah, so my the company that I actually run is called First Class Group, and it's just a group of underlying companies that have to do with all of the services needed to do real estate investment. Reddish Bull Finance is a, a mortgage company, and um, I and I have a few other companies under that umbrella. One of which is I help advise professional athletes, entertainers, and other um, wealthy people learn how to invest in commercial real estate and do it in a very, you know, risk-managed and um, tax-preferred way. And um, I got into that because I was born into a real estate family, more or less. My grandfather owns Orange Groves. My father's a real estate developer. So I'm I used to be in a real estate office sending faxes in the 90s, not knowing that that would be something that added value to my life in the future. Um, oh, my gosh. But what I did realize when I was competing and going to school, obviously, is that most athletes don't look at themselves like I do. And yeah. that although the creation of, you know, income is great in sports, that if you don't manage it well, the likelihood that you'll keep it for a long time, enough for your lifetime and your family's and your, you know, legacy's lifetime is very low. And yeah. so it made me be become very interested in learning about trusts and passing and estate planning and wanting to be a part of helping people use their brand, which yeah. – gives you a little bit of access and a little bit of influence um, in order to get into really good deals, whether it be real estate or business, and um, add value. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's like you said, a lot of athletes, they make a lot of money, get big contracts, but they're spending everything. Or they have someone that manages their money and it's kind of going, not going in the direction it should be going. I even know some professional athletes who played in the NFL that they couldn't read, but yet they made it through college. Wow. They went to the NFL. Yeah, that's the same thing I said. And they, they went uh, and played for the New York Giants. And at the end of their days, after going to Canada to play for a while, they didn't have any money left. And, and and so the fact that, first of all, they couldn't read, and then secondly, the person who was managing their money didn't have their best interests at heart, like uh, what you do, creating wealth and generational wealth. Uh, that person should have had as much money now as they had when they first started. But that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. It happens very often, and they need people like you to come in and help them to sort all of that out, which I, I think is really great. You have not only the NBA but the the, uh, the, the law degree as well. Uh, which which helps you facilitate uh, the contracts and then also whatever uh, real estate investment uh, holdings and tax that people need. So I think that's fantastic. Oh, and by the way, um, when I was at the 96 Olympics, I, I just want to get this in here, I met uh, Florence Griffiths-Joyner, and 
she had a booth set up, and I had a chance to talk with her and took a picture with her. And so that's what I, I remember mostly, other than seeing Muhammad Ali uh, light the cauldron as well. So um, just wanted to put that in there. But what you're providing uh, the listeners, I think, is very invaluable, that you're going to inspire some youth, uh, uh, some young people in terms of the Olympics, and then also in terms of you can not only uh, uh, run over the hurdles, jump the hurdles, but also be able to take your career and be able to jump your career, jumpstart your career as well, which is wonderful. Now, uh, one of the things uh, that you continue to do, uh, Levon, is you parlay your expertise as a lawyer and you have the NBA, um, and you, you manifest this in your business uh, dealings with people. Uh, what shift did you experience as a result of COVID-19? Because it is something like we've, none of us have ever seen. How, did you, how are you able to make that shift with this being the dynamic that it is? So in some ways it has been a very good blessing and lesson. Mm-hmm. So people have been – you know, at home, a lot of people have been losing jobs and that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Real estate is essential business in most days, so we've been able to go out and get a lot of things done. However, it's been the first time that I have people reaching out to me saying, tell me more about this impact investing that you're doing, about affordable housing and that kind of stuff, because I, because they're asking me the same questions, like, you know, how is this affecting your business? Are you collecting rent? Da, da, da. And I'm like, yeah, you know, do mainly affordable housing and workforce housing. So mostly essential mm-hmm. workers and people who are low-income receive vouchers. And I'm, yeah. and I'm telling them, I've said this for years, the community needs better quality housing that people accept all types of all types of renters. and. Yes you can make a very big impact on the community by owning those types of properties. And so I've been seeing more people becoming more interested in that type of asset, which is a blessing in disguise because we just need, mm-hmm. we need more quality affordable housing than we need new luxury apartments in most For areas. Sure. So that has been the blessing in disguise in terms of COVID-19. Otherwise, I've been enjoying just doing Zoom meetings and not having to mm-hmm. fight around with the traffic and that kind of oh. thing. But the, <laughs> the fear of having, yeah. you know, grandparents and stuff yeah. like that who can't leave the house and, um, you know, that kind of thing has been a little bit challenging, just making sure they're, having, they're getting all the things that they need has, you know, been different. Absolutely, and, and you're right on the button there in regards to uh, that affordable housing for everyone because if you don't have that affordable housing that meets the demographic, you're going to have more homelessness, which means there are going to be more people mm-hmm. on the street. And to be, to be on the street with a pandemic taking place is just a disaster. It's a disaster waiting to happen. And unfortunately, it's happening all over the U.S. right now, and uh, sadly, um, it just hasn't ended yet. The pandemic has still taken place. And, of course, we know Florida, uh, California, over in Los Angeles, uh, they're they are really the hot spots right now. And uh, until a vaccine comes in, uh, everyone pretty much is under threat. And people, uh, 
because right now, since it's summertime, no one wants to be inside. I don't want to be inside. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be inside. Uh, we all want to be out because we've been in for over 100 days now. And uh, by helping in that process for more people to invest in, in um, uh, housing such as that uh, is much needed today. It's probably needed more today than, than in the previous years, in fact. So uh, keep up the yes, good this work. Is the highest uh, we, mm-hmm. This is the highest um, unemployment we've had and who knows yep. when. And, yep. and just the change of learning business and realizing, wow, I've always kind of been a risk-averse person anyways, but most businesses are only operating on 90 days cash reserves. It's been more yeah. than 90 days that a lot of businesses haven't been able to open their doors or, you know, right. um, do business at full capacity. And so it's just been a really big learning curve for everybody. I have been able to sit outside a little bit, at least by myself, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly, yeah. And it's uh, really a trickle-down effect because for people not employed, businesses are closed. There's no uh, revenue generated locally, uh, hardly any generated for the state, and then, of course, for the federal government. So it has all has an impact and that uh, PPP, the, the funding that went out for the small businesses, really didn't didn't reach them. It actually reached the the uh, companies that can afford to take care of themselves through investors and otherwise. And so um, mm-hmm. the tipping point, we're at that tipping point right now. What happens in July and August will determine the way the rest of this year is going to go. And uh, if you can't open up for business, ooh, it's going to be a tough holiday season, very tough. So keep fighting the good fight of faith there. La la, keep fighting it because uh, people need that housing and uh, the investors, if people ready to invest, I'm very sure. So uh, let's uh, transition just a bit. I know that you do some work with the Student Aces Incorporated. Uh, please share with our mm-hmm. listeners what is it and what impact is it having in the communities that you serve? Yeah, so I'm on the board of Student Aces, and what Student Aces does is we work with student athletes in all of South Florida's Tri-County, and we help them with tutoring, mentorship, um, with college visits, just all of the things that they need to be successful, um, just young people, because what we were what we were seeing when Student Aces first started, you know, you have all these programs want to, you know, have these great success metrics, but they were – basically leaving out these at-risk kids because the grades mm-hmm. were not as high or, um, sure. you know, their attendance wasn't as good. But what we were finding was the underlying issues were the reason. So if your parents work two jobs and you have siblings, you're basically acting in the, as an adult because you're alone and you're taking care of someone else's kids. And That's right. The ability to maintain high grades while doing that is is really low. So even even kids who are very smart, who are very motivated, um, just have challenges. And we have been able to implement programming through the schools, actually, um, for leadership and teaching them how to deal with adversity and, you know, Mm -hmm. because if your parents aren't around so much, it's really – you're young and people are tempting you with all kinds of things that may seem Absolutely. fun to a young person and you don't know mm-hmm. how to deal with it because 
it's just no no guidance. And so we've been mm-hmm. trying to be that for close to a thousand students in South Florida. Yeah, well, I think that is tremendous. And again, like you said, uh, when we have young people, they just don't have the experience to sometimes know uh, the right decision to make. And because of that inexperience, sometimes they find themselves in a situation that they never imagined, nor the parents ever imagined they would be in. And things like that happen every day. And uh, the student ACES and, and your role in it, uh, it's making a difference with especially a thousand uh, student athletes and trying to show them the right way and the direction and the path that they should go on. Uh, that's that's a tremendous uh, program. And do some of the students also say that they want to do what you did in your life to become an Olympian and track and field, et cetera? Yes, we have um, quite a – track and field is one of the best sports, I think, for mm-hmm. female athletes because mm-hmm. we have the most scholarships to give on uh, the NCAA okay. level. Um, okay. So we have quite a few female athletes that come up to me and, you know, ask about my experience as a student athlete and, you know, telling me that they want to go on the path towards um, the Olympic Games and being a professional track and field athlete. So I'm always I'm always telling them both the how hard it's going to be, but how great it can be out of it because <laughs> oh, yeah. I, may, I was able to see the entire world because of track and field. Um, yes. But, you know, there are definitely many days where you're going to cry through a workout, mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> but it'll be worth it. It's going to be some and, pain. Um, of course, there's, there is no reward without pain. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, it's called that great <laughs> sacrifice, and when your friends are out there considering themselves to be having a lot of fun, they're getting in their extra study time, and they have a party and, and other events, and uh, that track can be a lonely place when you're putting in to, to go the extra extra mile, so to speak. And uh, I, I did it myself at the 800 and the, and the quarter and the mile relay, and it's just a lot of pain, I'll tell anybody. And I play football, and so you you have to really dedicate, Kate, one has to dedicate themselves. But I, I know uh, that given uh, your background and your background being one of student athlete and an uh, exceptional uh, student, uh, that, that really uh, bodes well for people who are listening here that have, have children who are interested in going into track and field and other sports. And not only can you parlay that, that academic the sports, but you can also parlay that academics, and that's a great, great balance between the two. And one of the things that you said earlier, I want to bring it back up for people who may not have heard earlier, but you stated that your grandfather he had invested in some orchards. Your father was a real estate investor, and so you have this in your DNA in terms of. Uh, you've seen this before. <laughs> you've actually worked in it before, and to me, I think that really speaks volumes about how a uh, family uh, can actually be the inspiration uh, for their children and for members of their family, that someone has done it before and that you're continuing to kind of take the baton, uh, as the English people say, take the baton and keep running with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really great. Yes. I, and think, so what are the I things? think that that's yes. the biggest thing. Um, sorry. I think that that's no, the, the biggest thing is about, about legacy creation is, being the next 
person to take it a little further. So my grandfather mm-hmm. went to college for a little bit and then went to the war and came back uh-huh. and became an entrepreneur. My father yeah. went to college and graduated uh-huh. and came back and became a developer. So I went on to go to professional school to bring it all together and say, hey, yeah. we can do this at a much larger scale. Exactly. And that's what I think is so remarkable because I did a lot of research and I was just really just inspired uh, by your journey. And I know the same thing holds true for a lot of other people, especially people who are listening right now, uh, that uh, you can know that you can do both. You can do the student part and you can do the athlete part, but you also want to ensure that that student part is on lock because if things don't work out uh, athletically, you still have that uh, that no one can take that away from you ever. No one can take away mm-hmm. your college degree. They can't take away the MBA. They can't take away the law degree. And so I, I think that's a, a, a wonderful story in and of itself. So Lavon, Lala, I let uh, one of the things that I want people to know now is how can they learn more about you, learn more about your services that you provide in South Florida and beyond. Please share your contact information with our listeners so that they can uh, follow up with you and, and learn even more about what you do to, to help people uh, generate uh, a generational wealth. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is LaVon Idolette. And or you can follow me on social media, La La Huddle, the number two, and my email address okay. is Levon at firstclassgroup.com. First is one S T. Okay, fantastic, and um, that that is really uh, phenomenal uh, in everything that you're doing. And something tells me, and I'm, I'm a very spirit-filled person, that. People are going to hear a lot more about you. <laughs> They're going to hear a lot more about uh, not only your exports in the Olympics, but also about you being uh, very uh, business savvy, which, which I think bodes well, especially in this economy right here, that people can still invest in real estate and, and other in investment instruments and uh, t- to continue to move themselves forward and have more than one way of generating uh, capital or generating revenue as well. So I think that's great. And uh, I also want to pass on to the listeners uh, that, again, uh, LaVon, she's uh, skilled in branding, consultancy, mergers and acquisitions, sports law, real estate finance, uh, marketing, sports management, and branding and identity. And uh, she also plays a role in the strategic partnerships uh, and and other uh, modes of, of business and business structuring for families. And uh, she also creates Athletes Personal Enterprise. And uh, so she's doing some really amazing things. I want to thank her today for being our honored guest and I wish nothing but the best for her and, and for the work that she does also with the uh, Student ACES program and some of the work that she, of course, does with uh, First Class Group that she works with. So, Lala, I want to give you some final comments that you want to make, or something you want to share with listeners as well before uh, this interview ends. Um, I appreciate you for having me on, and I, my final wishes is never be afraid to fail. Everybody starts as a novice, and just keep trying, and, you know, you never know how far you can make it by just continuing when everyone else runs out of steam of the tribe. Yes. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So again, uh, LaVon, thank you very much. Have a great day and rest of this week. Happy Independence Day to you and your family. And uh, continue excellence. We'll continue to follow you, and we'll be uh, hedging you up, saying go forward, LaVon, go forward. So thank you very much, and have a wonderful day, and continue excellence in all that you do. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. All right. Okay. All right, everyone. Uh, again, our honored guest today was Devon Idolet. She's an Olympian uh, that helps uh, people generate wealth, wealth creation. And uh, she's just an awesome human being. The fact that she not only parlays her athletic, world-class athletic abilities, but also uh, that she's now a businesswoman who's doing great things. And uh, she's also an experienced executive and brand development consultant and advisor with a demonstrated history of building multi-million dollar alternative asset portfolios, real estate holdings, while vetting and educating clients for future success. And the goal is legacy creation, tax mitigation, and risk minimization. And with that, my time is up, and I thank you for yours. I'll see you on the next broadcast of the Wealthy Speaker Talk radio show. Everyone, have a great day and great week, and happy Independence Day to each and every one of you. Have a great day, everyone, and thank you so much. My name is Paul Arnfan. Thank you for tuning in, listening in, and connecting with host Paul Lawrence Van and his guests. Encourage your family, friends, and colleagues to tune in to another episode of The Wealthy Speaker Show with Paul Lawrence Van. 